Hi, it's John here. This summer on Disruptors, we're highlighting some of the most fascinating topics and conversations from the past season of our show. As we approach the start of another school year, one issue that's still strikingly relevant is the labor shortage in many parts of the country and the role that Canada's international education system can help play in filling that gap. The federal government has made several changes in recent months to bring more international students into the labor fold, like lifting strict caps on the number of hours they're allowed to work off campus while class is in session. In addition to that, the government is now going to let students with expired or expiring post-grad work permits to get an additional 18-month open work permit. But global competition for high-caliber students is still intensifying. That's why it's worth revisiting a conversation I had last September with the co-founder of an Ontario company that connects international students with post-secondary programs across North America. And a side note, our guest came to Canada as a student himself. Take a listen. If you had to do a word cloud for 2022, I suspect talent and labor would somehow pop large. Everyone knows there are labor shortages out there, and every organization across Canada seems to be hunting for talent. And there are a few avenues as promising for that as Canada's international education system. I recently had the chance to sit down with Martin Vassiri to talk about these things and more as part of the Business Higher Education Roundtable. That's a group of business and post-secondary education leaders who are trying to build greater connections between employers and educators right across the country. Martin is co-founder and CEO of Kitchener, Ontario's Apply Board. If you haven't heard of Apply Board, it's a great Canadian success story. It has an AI-enabled software platform that lets students from around the world quickly identify and apply for university or college programs across North America, the UK, and Australia. In seven years, Martin, who moved to Canada as a student from Iran, has grown Apply Board to more than 1,500 employees and attracted more than $600 million in venture capital. In this special live edition of Disruptors, we tackle how Canada compares to other countries in building a pathway to citizenship for immigrants, and especially those who come here as students, and how companies can do a better job of attracting and retaining this global talent. Martin is part of that story, so please have a listen. Martin, it's great to uh, be with you as always. You helped us at RBC produce a report that was published a few weeks ago called Course Correction that looked at the state of international students in Canada, not only from the perspective of uh, the education system, but from the economy. I don't think it's widely known that about 20% of permanent residents now come through our school system, and that's about double what it was uh, a decade ago. This is, means 170,000 new Canadians a year are coming out of our post-secondary system. That's, uh, that's extraordinary. It indexes even higher for STEM courses. So when we hear there's demand for uh, all sorts of STEM skills, it immediately points to the need for international students. You're part of that story. Uh, maybe you can just quickly kick us off with a sense of how you came to Canada as an international student. Yeah, um, thank you very much for having me here. Everyone, this is my pleasure. Uh, I came to this beautiful country about 12 years ago. I grew up in a, I don't call it poor, but a lower middle class family in Iran where my parents were educators and I wanted to just code and build software and hardware. And um, it, it wasn't that much opportunity there. 
and uh, I was building as much. And University of Waterloo, like Vivek is here today, it gave me my life. It gave me a scholarship to come to Canada and I only paid for my ticket and, uh, you know, I sold my car and I had $6,000 in my pocket. I came to this beautiful country and um, <laughs> my aunt came to pick me up. And when we came out of Pearson and we were going north to Richmond Hill, I fell in love with Canada. I loved everything. And I have two younger brothers that I helped like raising them. I was like, oh, I have to bring them here too. So right away, I started like looking for ways how I bring them. Now, the problem is I don't have money. They don't have a scholarship. They didn't, like I had a lot of inventions and stuff in my high school and my bachelor, but they were in high school. And so I found this way of uh, bringing them to, uh, to Canada. Um, it was very creative, very cheap. And I convinced my parents to sell all of the retirement homes, whatever they saved in their life, uh, with the hope that, oh yeah, don't worry, they're gonna find job here and I'll, I'll, I'll support them. Anyway, uh, when they came to Canada, it took about a year. Uh, now everyone wanted to know how did we do that? And they became customers and coming from not having money, it was the best thing. You were like, oh, okay, sure, uh, I'll, I'll charge you and I help you as well to pay for their tuition fee. Uh, and so I've done it a little bit. Then I graduated, went to US um, just for paperwork because I wanted to start a company. But as an international student, when you graduate, you can't start a company. Like you're, you have to work for someone else. And I was like, if I have to work for someone else, instead of I stay in Canada, let's at least go to US. It's a, you know. So I went there. Then uh, naturally I went back to entrepreneurship. Now I'm in US stuck, I can't come to Canada. My brother's in Canada, now they graduated from college, they can't come to US. So we're like, okay, what do we do? We went back to helping other students, we started apply work. And this time we were like, whatever we were doing manually, let's code it. We coded and we put all of the admission information of universities and colleges in one algorithm. And it does the same thing like a, like a booking.com. So students come and say, for example, I'm from Nigeria. This is my credential. Uh, this is how much money I have. I want to study business. Maybe Saskatchewan, maybe, for example, Windsor. It shows exactly what the university or college, what program they offer, what's the deadline, what's the payment, everything. And they can apply to all of them with one application. Uh, right now, it also does it for U.S. universities, Australian universities, and U.K. universities. And it started working. Then the University of Waterloo again came to our rescue, helped us, uh, they gave us free office at Velocity. We we're very thankful for that. Uh, and we stayed there 2015 for about a year. Then we became 20 people that kick us out. <laughs> so go graduate, go find your own office. And then, uh, then apply, we like, went and um, we, uh, it took four years to get to the point that we can raise institutional money. It was so hard. And then after that, life got a little easier from a money point of view, but harder from responsibility point of view. So right now, um, we help, I think, 425,000 students so far. Of course, not all of them are getting visa um, for Canada, US, UK, and Australia. Uh, we work with about 90% of universities and colleges. I think almost everyone except one university here we work with. And... Uh, it's, it's, it's a very hard problem. It's very challenging, uh, which is good because uh, it's always like <laughs> some problem to solve. <laughs> it's, it, it's an amazing story and congratulations on, on your success. Uh, although I think you're just getting going. Uh, yeah. Remarkable what you've built in seven years. 
We wanted to have this conversation, not only just to, to, to hear your story, but you've got a great window on what's going on in the world and where international students are coming from, where they're going, and what some of the challenges are in between. As we come into a new, uh, a new school year in the fall now, what are you seeing out there uh, in, in the world? So let's look at Canada as a, as a company. So we are only as good as our people. Our fertility rate is 1.47, means we are not replacing our population, right? We are in huge deficit for about 50 years, and it's just getting worse. It's not coming back up. So we rely on immigration. And normally, we bring people in their 30s as a skilled immigrant. A better way is to bring people for international students when they come and they, they're normally in their 20s. They adopt to the country fast. And by the way, they're more likely to have children because they come at the earlier stage, which is good because we want as a country to be sustainable. We don't want to always rely on one generation immigrants. We want to bring them earlier to be sustainable. So it's an amazing fact. And also international students and work people who we bring with work, they're double more productive to economy than a normal immigrant. So perfect. Like international students is what we have to like work. But what we need to do, we need to make our government, our job market, and our universities all align. So we have to see what do we need in terms of different areas in labor market in, for example, 2030 and after. Then work backward, universities teach those ones, and government incentivize, do the right incentivize. So what we see, government done beautiful, government of Canada done beautiful. They came with this idea of, what if we give every single international student's postgraduate work permit? Three years. You have studied two years of college or two years of university, we give it to you. Boom. And that's why Canada became almost the first thing. It was at the same time that in UK, conservatives came, so Theresa May tanked the UK numbers. Australia, it was a Indian government that started having tension with Australian governments, so students start coming. And then, our boom started from when Donald Trump got elected because everyone now, we are the only country that everyone come. And Canada, we went to that beautiful growth. And then what happened, this gentleman from UK, which by the way is working with Applybo right now, Joe Johnson, is a younger brother of Boris Johnson, said, hmm, let us copy Canada. So they gave now four-year postgraduate work permit and UK start booming. booming. But what a, what a very big difference. And then, uh, so UK started going up from 2019. They achieved their 11-year target of 600,000 international students from 237,000 in less than three years during pandemic years. So to give you, like uh, she was talking about the time of visa. Right now, on average, visa is taking four months in Canada. Our diversity market, six months. Think about it. if you want to show up in fall semester, you need to have your visa already filed 1st of March. Universities sometimes don't even open their acceptance till then. How, how can you already apply it? So what does it mean? It means uncertainty of visa, uncertainty of time. So what is happening? Right now, UK and Australia is scooping all of the best talents. So the top talents are not coming to Canada. So we should expect to see more suffering happening in U15. So we're still getting the numbers in, in, in aggregate, but the quality is, is changing? Quality is changing. Uh, and 
you, you will see more of a more shift. So right now, colleges are about 50% body of the all international students. Universities are only 25%. You will see more of that going to the colleges. So more and more, we see universities come down, colleges go up, and the total, the quality also go down. Even though Canada is the cheapest among these four countries, we are going the cheapest, we have the safest, uh, but and it's funny because we have this metric in normally all universities and colleges want diversity. And in India, we have this Punjab area that they're historically very tied with Canada and they always want to come to Canada. And it's unbelievable. Even from Punjab area, the top of the funnel is weakening. Even Punjab students who have cousins, friends, family, everyone here in Canada, they don't want to come here anymore. Why not? Because first, four months wait for visa which means you already have loan or your money is stuck for months and months. Second, even the minister himself or the most expert IRCC members sit down here and you give them the best students, they can't say if these students get visa or not. Completely subjective. There is no rule. We sent two exact same students, sisters, one go grade 11, one grade 12 going to the exactly same high school, same mom, same dad, same high school from Iran. One of them in four days got the visa, one of them in seven months got rejection. From what does Iran it, to Canada. Yeah, so what does it mean? It means like one of them went to one officer, the other one went to another officer. So when it's unpredictable, when the visa rate right now is 48%. If you are a top talent, visa rate of UK is 99%. Visa rate of Canada is 48%. Why would you put your life and everything, one year, one and a half year of your life, to maybe you come over there? And this is a stat that shock everyone. 80% of the visas in UK are done under five days. 80%. We are average four months right now. The other 20%, you may say, okay, so the other 20%, how long does it take? Is on average 16 days. So their delayed students is 16 days. And ours is four months. So Australia now came, they waived the visa fee, they're fast. Even Western Australia government is incentivized recruiters in other countries. They pay them commission to send them students. And we have the cheapest. UK is about 50% on average more expensive. Australia is about 70% more expensive. So people are going to more expensive destinations. And unfortunately, what was our moat, which kicked us, it got copied. And they just made it better. UK made it four years. Now Australia came with six years postgraduate work permit. And said, oh, if you study a STEM that I need or healthcare, I give you six years. So now you're a student, you're a computer science. You can go anywhere in the world. No longer world. You can go to UAE, you can go to... Singapore, visa of UAE right now is under 30 days. They're like zero income tax, come here. Why should you come to Canada if you may, after a year and a half, you may at 48% get visa? I think one of the challenges we may not appreciate in this country is that the, the past decade of international student flows is not going to be what the next decade looks like. We in Canada relied heavily on Chinese students, and that worked very well. There was a great system and culture that worked uh, exceedingly well for a lot of Canadian schools, as well as the stu as students gone, as you say. Now we're heavily reliant on India uh, as a primary source of students. 
that's starting to face challenges. Do you want to share some insights yeah. into what uh, you're seeing from the Indian market? Yeah, and 23rd of September, the foreign minister, the foreign affairs minister of India issued an official notice that Canada is now no longer safe and they see hate and crime. This is exactly what happened 11 years ago. 50% of our total international students coming from India. We are too reliant on one country. And on top of that, 66% of colleges and universities. And if you look at trend, it's not like diversity get better, diversity get worse. Two out of three students that are going to our colleges can vanish and it, it vanished in Australia. So here's a difference between international students and something like banks or a SaaS product. A SaaS product, you get someone, you have them for years. They keep using your software. International students, you can be the top today. Every year you need to find new students. Next year, can, all can go. So our entire sector, not only we didn't build um, diversity, right now UK, 3x their international students in three years of pandemic. When we went down and we still don't know if we should give them online or offline, they went from 37,000 to 117,000 international students from India. As you guys know, China, since 2017, when Canada and China, they have tension, is just on decline. U15 gonna hurt the most because they, especially on undergrad, they rely on the Chinese students. They priced it up so much that only Chinese and Korean, Japanese, all three of them vanished. The only other uh, students that they were going was Saudi Arabia, that what happened with Saudi Arabia, that sector 90% vanished. 90% of the students vanished overnight. Many of these challenges are, are, are solvable. Let's start with the, uh, the visa challenge, because in some ways this is what Apply Board solved for a, a similar challenge. It's technology and, and matching systems. What can we do quickly to uh, reduce the visa stress? Put the responsibility on universities, colleges, and the sector. Same way that works in UK and same way that works in Australia. So what they do, they say university. So right now, so let's say I'm a university. I can give anyone letter of acceptance. I don't bear any responsibility if they get my acceptance, they come and they don't show up. In fact, majority of universities don't even report to government if their students showed up or not. I don't bear any responsibility whether students have money or not, nothing. Because the government don't ask them. Of course, no one takes responsibility for something that they are not asked for. But let's look at UK and Australia. Universities are responsible to check so many things like financial, interview with the students, integrity of the students, everything. And government become like a randomly check students and they say, university, be careful. You should not have more than 10% rejection. You need to tell me every single semester if the student's attending your school or not. Can you believe we have 330,000 students we bring to the country? No university know how many students got their visa, how many students got visa with their acceptance, nor the government know how many of these students are actually studying. So the solution is what Minister Champagne said and the, when we met, said, don't come to government with your problem, come, come to government with solution. Is us, you, and universities go to government and say, this is the solution, please use it and let us take some of that burden from you. Because government right now, they're saying the reason that we have delay is there's so much of checks they have to do, they're fraud and we don't have enough labor in place to do that. So that's phase one. 
just to solve today's problem. So let the, let the schools take responsibility for the students. Not only the schools, the schools, banks, and um, private companies, and all the middlemen, whoever is doing it, test companies, the test of language, like uh, TOEFL, PTE, and IELTS, those companies that they administer this test, they have to take responsibility. Everyone, make them responsible. And it's very simple, like, for example, and by the way, uh, we, we have all the technology for it. In Canada, it's funny, like Applyboard, we are a Canadian company. And we, we are like a product of this. We have the technology. Universities have the manpower. Universities already checking the transcript of the students, why someone else should exactly do the same job, you know? So it sounds simple. Why, why isn't it happening? Maybe one is like, first, that shift of mindset of come to government with solution, not with the problem. I think we as a sector, we were always like raising the problems. We never got together and said, hey, let's 10 of us solve something and go. And it has, it worked before. Like we have Denise here, CICAN, they provided pilots that now is permanent, right? So we know it's possible. I think one of them is on us that we have to get united together and go. The other thing is on government. I think our government is, uh, our government is a little, uh, have to like uh, be more accessible to the sector, to listen to them and provide things. Like during the pandemic, we see their, how much their delayed cost. Uh, our data shows that on average, around 30% of students who were supposed to start fall semester, they didn't get their visa. And I'm pretty sure all of you guys are, have that problem. 30%. And funny is majority of universities and colleges try to say, mandated. I only gonna do in class, not gonna do online. And bang, September 1st, 30% of the students don't show up. What should we do? <laughs> okay, online again. And they have problem with uh, academic teachers and everything else. We've got just a couple of minutes left. If we can resolve uh, these challenges and pain points, what are the bigger issues that Canada needs to think about in the decade ahead in terms of maintaining our leading position when it comes to international students? Yes. We need to align what businesses, at the end of the story, as a Canada, we want top talent. And as universities, we want our alumni to be, find very successful jobs. Right now, great that we bring a lot of STEM students, but that's not enough. Like we bring 52% of our students are studying business where only 20% of the jobs are business. That's not right. We need to create way more software developers and way less project management. I can't call head of nursing of Ontario, but you guys can. We need to push them so you can have more nursing students. 110,000 healthcare need right now in Canada. 12% of job, can you, like, if we don't have nurse, we're gonna die. <laughs> Like it's, it's you go to a hospital, I go to a hospital, we gotta solve this. And not only that, also we need to like push on blue collar workers. Now you remember, um, they were like talking about, we don't have truck drivers. We don't have people like do piping. HVAC has a huge shortage in things. And colleges are perfectly established to, to create trades. But trades, we are very behind. Um, and I think Canada can be the leader on that. That's second. Third, we should do what worked. We should be things. Like for example, if you go right now, computer science, U15, we should give them six years postgraduate work permit. Why should we give them same advantage if they go a two-year college of a study, for example, business, 
or they study four or five years for computer science that we know the society needs or nursing. So we can incentivize them where Canada needs. The good news is with three database that we've done that study, we know exactly with a very good accuracy what Canada needs in 2030 everywhere. So we know what is the need of Manitoba in 2030. These are the jobs. So we can work backward. The schools in Manitoba teach this. And then alumni become more successful. All of these challenges come down to information flows between uh, students, educators, governments, em em employers. What's, uh, just as we wrap up, what are the one or a couple of things that Canada can do to uh, elevate our game in terms of sharing information and using technologies like you're developing? I think our brand is everything. We've seen on U.S. how brand is matter. So it doesn't matter. You, are the, you could be the biggest economy in the world. If, you feel, if people feel unsafe or unwelcome, they don't come. And we took advantage of during these years. All these talented people came to Canada. It was because U.S. was unsafe or unwelcomed. The biggest asset of Canada is our brand for safety. So right now, when India last week said, oh, Canada is not safe for Indian students, where was our response? Where was a couple of videos we're sending? We should right away react to these things. The market can shift overnight. We should react to that. No, they're welcome. And in fact, we want them here. They're going to be CEOs of companies. They're going to be the head of ITs of the companies. They're going to be the nurses. They're going to be successful people. We need to, as a sector, and this is not on government. I think it's on us. Every of us have to take a responsibility. And one other thing, if I add, at the end of the story, what Applibor exists for and what universities and colleges exist for. We are all here to serve students, to educate the world. And I think we have to understand international students is extremely lucrative business, but at the end of the story, it's a business for educating the world. So we have a greater responsibility to making sure every single of those students are successful in their lives. It's a competitive and an increasingly competitive world, especially in, uh, in education, and Canada needs to be more ambitious. That's one of the messages you're, you're, you're saying, and you, Martin, reflect that ambition. Uh, you're a great Canadian story, but when Martin saw the, uh, just to give you a, a sense of his ambition, when he saw the RBC boardroom, he said, I'm going to have a board table bigger than that at a, a ply board. So, so <laughs> you, you may have a buyer, but you have Dave. But to get rid of it. <laughs> but uh, that kind of ambition is, uh, is great to see uh, so alive and well in the country. Martin, thanks for being part of the conversation. Thank today. you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was Martin Basiri co-founder and CEO of ApplyBoard. Thanks to Martin for sharing his inspiring story with our listeners. I hope you enjoyed this look back at some of the best episodes from the past season. We're busy working on some engaging and disruptive new content to take us into 2024 and beyond. So stay tuned for more insightful and formative conversations starting in September. Until then, I'm John Stackhouse, and this is Disruptors, an RBC podcast. Talk to you soon. Disruptors, an RBC podcast, is created by the RBC Thought Leadership Group and does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. For more Disruptors content, visit rbc.com disruptors and leave us a five-star rating if you like our show.